Good morning and welcome to Alternative News on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Alternative News is produced by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament on the Stolen Lands of the Wurundjeri People. This week we're going to go through some domestic and international news and then we're going to talk a bit about the issues around the South China Sea. An anti-China rally supposedly took place in Martin Place, Sydney, with many people waving the Australian flag and holding signs that said China lied. This was happening around the same time Black Lives Matter protesters were arrested in Sydney. The Council of Attorneys General decided there was not enough evidence to raise the age of juvenile detention from 10 years old to 14 years old and has postponed the issue until at least 2021. In international news, Pyongyang has reported their first suspected coronavirus case and has put the North Korean city into lockdown to stop the virus from spreading. Australia has sent a letter to the United Nations declaring that China's claims on islands in the South China Sea are illegal. Australian politicians have cited the security of the South China Sea as one of our interests under Operation Gateway. Australia has consolidated our alliance with the United States at the Australia-US ministerial talks, but resisted going all the way with the US in their aggression towards China by conducting freedom of navigation exercises in the South China Sea. Australia promised to continue joint military exercises with the United States to pursue their shared national interests in the South China Sea and the Indian Ocean to apparently deter bad behaviour. We ask that the militaries of both China and the United States stay at home. At the talks, Australia and the United States also spoke of expanding the United States military presence in Darwin and of installing a United States-funded military fuel reserve for the American military in the Northern Territory. Mike Pompeo complimented Australia on our new $270 billion defence strategy that makes us what he called an extremely capable partner of the United States in defending international law. Thousands of workers, peasants and students mobilised across India in late July against the Modi administration's neoliberal policies to privatise India's railways. Many protesters were arrested, including Council of Indian Trade Unions cadres and members of the Dakshin Railway Employees Union. Vietnam evacuated 80,000 people from the city of Da Nang after three people tested positive for coronavirus. Most of the people evacuated were local tourists from around Vietnam. Vietnam has been a role model in containing the virus with a total of 446 confirmed cases and zero deaths. After elections were postponed in Bolivia last week for the third time since the 2019 coup, the Bolivian Workers' Union, Central Abrera Boliviana and the organised coca farmers of Cochabamba mobilised the people to demand democracy from the interim government. The Bolivian Workers' Union told the government that if the decision to postpone elections is not retracted, then the workers will enact a general strike and road blockade nationwide on Monday the 3rd of August. The Census Bureau of America found that almost half the population of the United States are facing evictions for not being able to pay rent because of the financial strain coronavirus has put on the country. Millions of people could be forced out of their homes. Earlier this week, 
The Israel Defense Force fired into Lebanon to stop an evidence-free Hezbollah infiltration attempt along the Blue Line. The IDF fired into a civilian house in Lebanon. Hezbollah claimed that the Israel army were preemptively firing at Lebanon in fear of a Hezbollah retaliation attack after one of their members died in an Israeli airstrike in Syria. Hassan Diab, the Lebanese Prime Minister, said the incident was a dangerous military escalation by Israel and that if escalation continues, it will be an excuse for a push to alter the United Nations interim force in Lebanon, which ends next month. The United Nations interim force in Lebanon are conducting research into the incident. Onward now to the South China Sea. We've been hearing a lot about it lately, so let's go through the history of the area, current situation. We'll have a look at Chinese and imperialist aggression, think a bit about what Australia should do, and think about our strategic independence. From the beginning of last century until now, the South China Sea has been under dispute by several regional players. China, Vietnam, who call it the East Sea, Philippines, who have called it the West Philippine Sea since 2011, Malaysia, Brunei, Indonesia and Taiwan. $3.37 trillion worth of trade passes through this region, including 40% of the world's liquid natural gas. Presumably for this, imperialist think tanks like the Council on Foreign Relations rate the impact of the conflict in the South China Sea on US interests as critical. Ostensibly to keep this trade moving, the US prefers to be able to sail weapons platforms around the region and would like to continue to do so. To achieve this aim, it relies on the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. This is a convention which the United States of America has not ratified. After three decades of negotiations, the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea was signed in 1982 and came into effect in 1994. It establishes various zones around nations and decrees what activities can lawfully occur in these zones in terms of fishing and resource extraction. Under the convention, the area of the sea floor, which belongs to everyone, has shrunk from 70% to 30% of the total area, thanks to claims by countries. The convention does not address sovereignty issues related to the South and East China Seas, and its vague wording has prevented it from serving as a credible body of law in resolving territorial disputes. So what is in dispute? The access to resources, fossil fuels and fisheries. Although it is only estimates, there is a huge amount of oil and gas under the seabed. Each claimant to the area is trying to push its sovereignty out into the region to the detriment of other claimants. But why is it being brought up now? This ongoing and complicated dispute is being used to further the domestic political interests of the ruling class of the United States. We shall return to this point briefly later, but as far as this is the case, Australia has no business getting involved. Australia did issue a statement calling China's activities in the South China Sea illegal. As discussed earlier, this illegality is based on a convention which was written in such a way that it could not be used to solve the dispute in question. There is a huge mess of details in the issue of the South China Sea, 
and the United States is not interested in solving any of them. The United States seems to limit itself to countering what it calls Chinese aggression in the region. So what constitutes Chinese aggression? China sees itself as having a valid claim to the South China Sea. The sea in question is a coastal water of China. Does that then mean that everyone should obey the nine-dash line and Vietnam can't fish in its East Sea anymore? Well, I don't think so, but I have some doubts about this Chinese aggression. It's a telling measure of American exceptionalism that the United States is the only country which can have interests close to its own borders. It's easy to forget this because the border of the United States seems to be everywhere in the entire world. For instance, how did the freedoms of the United States end up in Syria? China has militarized some reefs, and this project seems to have concluded in 2016. There have been collisions at sea over the years and some recent near misses, and these are very serious incidents. Oil spills should not be tolerated. Regional players have been involved in a series of maritime collisions and violations of each other's sovereignty. Disputes over moving oil rigs into Vietnamese waters and disputes over fishing activities in the wrong places and so on. As far as militaries go, essentially there's a tit-for-tat series of activities in the sea. China develops sprightly islands, the US sails warships near the islands, China puts a missile on the islands... What the US views as escalation, China views as exercising sovereignty, and so on. And what constitutes US aggression? Here's a quote from a US news magazine called The Nation. On July 4th, the US deployed two nuclear-powered aircraft carriers, along with their accompanying squadrons of cruisers, destroyers, and submarines, Joining them was a nuclear-capable B-52 Stratofortress flown in all the way from Barksdale Air Force Base, Los Angeles. On July 15th, the guided missile destroyer USS Ralph Johnson sailed within 12 nautical miles of the Quetron Reef and Fiery Cross Reef, two Chinese islands converted by the Chinese into military bases. And on July 21st, Two B-1B supersonic bombers originally designed to carry nuclear weapons flew over the South China Sea in yet another demonstration of America's military prowess. End quote. And in 2014, the United States and Philippines signed a military pact which gives the US higher troop presence in the country and greater access to bases, ports and airfields in the region. For their part in this, the Philippines gained a more prolonged taste of the military-industrial jackboot a taste that we know all too well in Australia. So, what should Australia do? We should pursue a genuinely independent foreign policy position on this issue. It's correct that we want peace in the Southeast Asian region. We also want the respect of the parties involved if we're speaking out on peace. For a possible example of how we could behave, here's Vietnamese Prime Minister Nguyen Shan Phuc. Quote, Vietnam does not pursue a military build-up, but Vietnam pursues protecting our sovereignty, firstly with peaceful measures, diplomatic measures, and even justice measures. End quote. Australia should urge against aggression in the region, particularly on the part of the United States, whose neighbourhood it is not. We should call for the demilitarisation of the islands in the South China Sea, as well as for the United States to remove its military from the region And finally, we could call for the United States to ratify the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. 
Now, are we strategically independent, as Maurice Payne insists? We are heading for a big crash in Australia. JobKeeper and JobSeeker are being reduced as of September, and JobKeeper has already been cut to our early childhood educators. Australia's interests in the Asia-Pacific region are more local than those of the United States, and the US exceptionalism provides a poor model for Australia to emulate. Secretary Mike Pompeo's chest-beating on China may play well to the US Republican base, but it does nothing to assist Australia in navigating a changing and difficult relationship. Although we aren't participating in the next round of sailing close to the Spratly Islands, we have a long way to go in the battle for our independence. Currently, we're positioned as being able to guide the United States in the Asia-Pacific. From a recent Australia Foreign Affairs article, quote, Canberra is now in an unusual position. It can make demands of Washington and try to set the terms of the alliance. Australia has got quite a lot of bargaining leverage with the United States, which we're not using at the moment. That's from Michael Wesley. And he continues, The United States needs us as it hasn't needed us for a long time, possibly since the Second World War, and that should be giving us the ability to help shape United States strategic thinking in the region. End quote and end of article excerpts. Ashley Townsend from the United States Studies Center said in a recent ABC article, Quote, Put simply, the U.S. can no longer uphold a favorable balance of power on its own, which means that like-minded partners such as Australia, Japan, and key Southeast Asian countries must contribute more purposefully to a multilateral regional military strategy. To the extent that this conflict in the South China Sea is about more than the United States' domestic policy, it is about this. If the U.S. can't dominate in Asia anymore then it wants to have multilateralism on American terms. To uphold this is the role of the minor imperialists in the region, Japan, South Korea, and good old, true blue, fair dinkum, Australia. Let's hope we can avoid an absolute catastrophe. The Morrison government wants to invest in a bilateral conversation that will not make any difference to the problems now facing humanity, that of economic collapse, pandemic, and climate change. These problems demand sustained international effort, and in that every nation, including China, has a role to play. I've been Zachary Doney, and you've been listening to Alternative News, broadcast on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, and streaming at 3cr.com.au. Coming up next, Concrete Gang.